today on The Breakdown, well, it's disappointing, isn't it? You get all excited. You think it's going to be the podcast of your life. Turns out, no, it's just another poker podcast with the poker guys, just like every other one of them. And you're like, really? I couldn't get any more than this. This is all the world has for me. Well, yes, today it is. Maybe one day things will change. Maybe one day your life will look up. But right now, this is all you have. And you will take it. And you will listen to it. And you don't have to like it. But you must get through all of it. That's the deal. (laughs) All right. Here's what's going on. Christoph Vogelsang, you know, suspected uh, Android uh, at a final table. They're playing for $150,000 still to be won. There's five left. It's up against Andre Novak who's also known as, what's he known as? Grant's not going to help. It's a long name with a lot of Ys at the end. We'll get into it later. Nobody cares. Uh, Anyway, these guys are going to battle, and the hand is interesting. There are twists, (laughs) turns like you wouldn't believe. It's like knives out up in here, people. (laughs) It's not your typical Poker Guys podcast. Listen to it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Tyson and Jonathan Levy. Maybe you would be okay if you were in a castaway situation. Mm. I think you might. I think I would. You just like do that type of thing with yourself. Wilson! No, you don't need Wilson. See, Tom Hanks needed Wilson. I don't think you need Wilson. You have enough stuff going on. (laughs) I was an only child, you know? So was, was I. I was at home a lot alone. Were you? Yeah. With oh yeah, you grew up super wealthy though, didn't you? Have like a butler and like a. I had five a, butlers. Yeah, so they were like it was like Alfred and you're six, freaking young Bruce Wayne over here. Six golden cats. The the difference between you and Bruce Wayne is that your parents weren't gunned down by a violent criminal as you came out of a uh, opera. That's no, the only was, difference. It was a, it was a play. Oh, was it a play? <laughs> for, for me, <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't just gun. They were also stabbed. Right, right. Of course, <laughs> obviously, that is the difference. A nice light start to the podcast yet again. <laughs> It's good times. It's always fun. And, you know, as I said, it's just your typical Poker Guys podcast, though. That's what we're doing today. It's just the normal, everyday, right in the okay. middle. All right. A couple things. Okay. One, that was the second opening we did because the first time <laughs> we're going to do another yeah. hand, actually two other hands from this final table, I think. But one, or maybe at least one. The other one involves Neymar Jr. of Brazilian soccer fame. Yeah. He actually is playing in this tournament and doing well. Uh, but Jonathan... Asked if this was the Neymar one, and then we started the podcast. And he did a whole opening about Neymar. I did. And it was it was good. It was a good opening, Grant. Yeah. So maybe you can look forward to that in the future. Um, but maybe not. This one's not about Neymar, although he is at the table. Right. He's still there. Yeah. He's a star. His presence elevates the podcast, which is maybe maybe that is what you were looking for. You know, you yeah. started this podcast off with the idea that well. You thought maybe this was the one, but it's not. But right. maybe it is. If, if you just want a whisper of Neymar, but not yeah. a full Neymar. Too much Neymar is too much Neymar. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, dude, that's what they say <laughs> in Brazil. Um, Only in Brazil. So but, but give me your idea of what, what you think the answer to all of the listeners' dreams is. Where, like, the thing they were expecting, mm. like, maybe if I click on this podcast, it's titled, <laughs> like, all the, the other Poker Guys podcasts, it'll be something entirely different. What does that look like? What's the thing that they're looking for? I think it's you really bearing your soul for once. Not giving us this veneer of mm. assuredness, of, you know, of hubris, of knowledge, but like the real Grant Dennison underneath the shell. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the turtle that resides within, you know? and All soft and spongy. Yeah, soft and spongy. And I think the... You doing a sobbing, <laughs> like I love, I love you, man, kind of a thing would really would really do it for the audience. Yeah, in, in a way that you know, like you wait, you wait for certain characters to like show affection towards each other, and everyone's been waiting for you. So, All right, I'll uh, I'll consider it. Yeah, no, no, no pressure. I don't feel pressure. You look like you don't feel pressure. Actually, you look like pretty, pretty but that's good. is that the veneer talking or is that? The turtle underneath. I got a question. Yeah. What's the difference, man? <laughs> See, that's this is the problem. Oh, this yeah. Is, oh, now yeah. they're going to stop listening. Oh, yeah. Beautiful questions like that are the problem. <laughs> I mean, I'm just... 
I'm the guy who tells it like it is. Everyone knows that. And you're the guy who lies and obfuscates, right? And everyone knows that. And well, that I know you play your role well. Everyone agrees. You're really good at it. You're funny. You're smart. But it's, it's, it's unattractive. Everyone knows that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I have a different idea of what the listeners were opening Oh, really? For. Oh, okay. What, they what were opening. It? We were going to do a whole opening, and they were like, you know what? Instead of analyzing the hand, yeah. here's 30 minutes of audio of Jonathan Levy getting tased in the testicles. <laughs> That's a lot of audio yeah. of that. Really? 30 minutes? That's the amount you need. Oh, well, we would loop it either way. It is, I'm not doing 30 minutes straight. It will kill me. You have no choice. <laughs> this is not a... The last 20 minutes is just going to be and silence because I'll be dead. No, no, no. It's, we're going to put on a low setting. Oh, okay. Like, oh, that's you, you'll live. So I'll be like, ah! <laughs> yeah, like that. <laughs> like that, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's, I guess that's better. This is like the Milgram experiments, except for real. Yeah. And I'm the guy getting electrocuted. Yeah. There, you can be sure that it's not just a confederate behind the wall right. pretending to be electrocuted because you can, you can, if you're here in the room, you could see Jonathan actually getting tased. You'll also be able to hear my screams of pain. And as you just heard, they are very convincing. Yeah. And real. Well, so were the confederates, man. Were they, though? I never would have fallen for it, man. Some people didn't. Yeah, no. Th- actually, a third of the people did not go all the way. Yeah. But two-thirds did, and that was done in uh, different countries across different um, social strata. And no matter what, it was pretty much always 70% of the people went all the way and killed the person. By all the way, yeah. And that doesn't mean they didn't buy it. They, they could have bought that they were electrocuting somebody still and not gone all the way. That, oh, absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I think they always think they're, they are do, it's a real thing. The idea is not that they think it isn't real because there's no reason for them yeah. to think it wouldn't be real. Um, it's, it's not that. It's that they decide not to hit the, the lethal amounts of electricity just because they're being told to by someone in a lab. This is probably very frustrating for those who don't know what the Milgram experiments are. So we should probably just say what they are real quick. Yeah. Um, So this is an experiment that both was hugely successful in in its findings, but also changed the laws surrounding what you can do in a psychological experiment because of its effects, where a participant, an unknowing participant, would volunteer for the study, and they would be given this board, this panel that had different levels of electrocution, and there would be a person in a white coat representing authority, who would tell them to hit, like, first the small panel, and then they would hear somebody on the other side, or the small button, or whatever, the small amount of electricity. They'd hear somebody, but not see them. It's actually a little bit more interesting. Oh, yeah? Yeah, so it isn't, they're they're not just told to electrocute someone. What it is, is they ask questions, and they're supposed to be helping someone learning, and that's supposed to be what the experiment is about. And anytime the person gets something wrong, they're supposed to give them a little jolt of electricity, and then slowly it increases. Right, right. right? And, And then the person in the white coat would be like, press the button. Yeah. You know, like, or turn the dial, whatever yeah, it is. whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, press the button, turn the dial. And then, like, okay, now we're going to go up this much more, so move it up to 90 volts yeah. or whatever it is. And there's, on the machine, it even says what were the lethal... I think they even have, like, a skull and crossbones yeah. and stuff. And then, like, eventually you, you're told to move the thing all the way there, and you're asking the questions of the person on the other side, the confederate, yeah. which obviously isn't a real person, but you don't know that, right? If everything about it feels real, their unconscious is the conceit yeah, anyway. Yeah, eventually, so you, eventually the, the, you, you hear screams, and they're worse and worse yeah. and worse until then they, you don't hear anything. Right, and then you're still supposed... You're still directed to ask the question. Yeah. When they don't respond, you were told that that is an incorrect answer, and you are to shock them. Yeah. And then you're supposed to be shocking right, them with right. lethal electricity. 70% of the people did this all throughout the world in the 50s and 60s until they stopped doing this experiment. So it's a highly successful experiment in showing the power of authority yes. and stature based on appearance and situation, right? Like the white lab coat and the person of authority telling somebody to do that actually made 70% of the population shock somebody to their death, which they thought. And you might be wondering, why did this change the laws surrounding psychology? Well, imagine if you were one of the people who did that. Right. Th- this, this fucks people up for life. They always would, um, immediately after, bring out the person who supposedly was getting shocked, who was doing the yeah. voice acting on the other side. You couldn't see them, but you could hear them. Um, and they would like shake hands and smile and tell them that everything was fine. But then you still are left with this knowledge that you were the type of person who did this. Yeah, you can't unpeel that onion. Yeah. So, problematic. Right. Problematic. Yeah. So that's basically what we're talking about doing here, because this is not a psychological experiment. Jonathan has agreed right. to be tased oh, no, repeatedly. I'm be tased. Yeah. I want to say one other thing about the Milgram experience. It was always believed and assumed that we were studying authority, and it probably is true. But you could also argue we're studying the violent tendencies of humans. Like, yeah. who's willing to kill somebody? Right. And then they're given the excuse which allows them to do so versus yeah. not, right? And you could say 70% of the world is just willing to kill someone when given, when they don't have to take responsibility for it, forgetting about authority. Maybe that's what we were studying. 
we always it was always taught as this other thing, but that doesn't mean that's that actually yeah. is an accurate measurement of what we were studying, yeah, or what it was. But clearly, there's an ethical boundary that was crossed oh, there. Oh yeah, and, and you know, like psychology used to be so draconian. You know, you know the baby Albert no. experiments. This no. is from like before. This is the B.F. Skinner, like the original behaviorist who did some pretty dark stuff. Oh. Um, but so there's this orphaned child Albert who was taken in for these psychology experiments, and they gave him a bunny. And he became friends with the bunny as a baby. And then they started doing a thing where they'd be observing him in the room with this bunny. And every time he got near the bunny or touched the bunny, they would, they would generate a horrible screeching noise until the point to, to see if that had an effect on baby Albert. And, of course, it fucked this kid up Wait, forever. What? Yeah, like, he, like, it's awful if you think about it. Yeah. It's, like, so, so disgusting. But, yeah, that's the type of stuff they used to get done. I mean, you know, the Stanford prison experiment, of course. Yes, which is, hasn't it been uh, debunked as fake? You know what? I think maybe it has. Yeah. I think it has. Which is, you know, a little disappointing to me because my my uh, advisor in college, I went to college for psychology, was a direct student and understudy of Zimbardo. Wow, who's the guy who ran it? Of yeah. course, it's at Stanford. Um, Philip Zimbardo. That is disappointing. Yeah. If it's, I don't remember, but I think you're right. I think it was debunked as fake. Uh, I sort of hope it was fake because it's really awful what happened. Yeah. Otherwise. But it's awful if it's fake because then it means it tells us other things about hu- the human condition, right. right? That someone would fake that. You yeah. Know? But there's a lot of that. Anyway, see, this is this is what people tune in for. Neymar Jr. <laughs> That's what this is about. <laughs> One of the most famous soccer players in the world. Uh, but like we're getting into psychology here, you know? Yeah. Like they're not just here to like listen to us uh, analyze a poker hand, look at the numbers, whatever, and the gameplay, the, the psychology around that. No, they want the psychology of the human condition, and mm. we deliver that, among many other things. We are the full-service podcast. Yeah. We are the best This podcast. is the only place that you can learn that you can get a baby to be terrified of a rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> now you all know how to do it. Yeah. And you have your own babies. And your own and you, rabbits. And there's nothing weird or unethical about doing that to your own child. It's just to <laughs> someone else. You, you might want to watch what you say. Well, is that a problem? Yeah, it's probably fine. Um, <laughs> which is what we might be saying about some of these plays in this hand. What? I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna shriek uncontrollably at certain points, <laughs> and then I'll be like, "Oh, I can't analyze any more turns." Right. If I, every time I analyze a turn, Jonathan makes that noise, and that's <laughs> off-putting to me, and I don't want that to happen yeah. anymore. So, so from now on, that, I'll just be silent for like an 11-minute period partway through the podcast while you analyze the turn. Do we know what happened to Baby Albert? Did he end up like killing someone or something? I don't know. Because I would love to know. Do you want me to look it up? Yes, please. If Uh, Baby Albert ended up killing someone, like, wow, 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 that feels like a big deal. Or like super violent guy or whatever. They might have covered it up, though. Baby Albert experiment. Yeah. What happened in the end? Always aware are they now is important for this kind of stuff, I think. So I'm glad we're, we're doing well, it. Well, they're saying it was with various animals, not just a, a bunny. Okay, still. Did he kill it? Did he kill anyone? Well, this was actually conducted not by B.F. Skinner, so not fair. It oh. was John B. Watson, but I think he was of the Skinner school. Uh, you don't know? No, this is more like technical stuff. So it's boring as shit. What happened to, what happened to baby Albert? Yes, here we go. He had s- severe neurological problems and died at an early age of hydrocephalus, oh. or water on the brain. Yeah. That yeah. was a more common thing back in the day. Yeah. Um, that's, so he was probably a kid when he died, and maybe quite young even would be my guess. Usually hydrocephalus is like 10 or younger, mm. I think. Um, so then we didn't get to find out if he killed someone. He just wasn't strong enough age to six. kill anybody. Age six. Oh, my gosh. Poor baby Albert. What a tough life. Yeah. Uh, the part of the unethical nature of the experiment was not just the experiment itself, but the researchers failed to decondition him after the sti- after the experiment. <laughs> they just were like, "You just are now in the world now. <laughs> like, you're afraid of animals. <laughs> See ya, <laughs> all animals." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was what? It was the fifties, right? Yeah, I think it was something like that. It was a free flying time. Anything yep. was possible. Yeah, it was great. We hadn't been to we hadn't been to the moon yet. You know, we we didn't know what we could and couldn't do. Yep, sure. <laughs> that, that justifies it all. <laughs> All right, so we get to the hands. That was a different type of opening. See, that yeah. was different. It really was. Well, you know, by, by calling something a spade, it ends up being a, a heart. Right, that's what they say. Classic. <laughs> classic poker talk. Also classic is Casper, who suggested this hand. Casper Quack. Probably. We, we think. I mean, spelled the same way, but no quack. But it's, this is Discord, not Twitter, so it's different. Yeah, and it's spelled not like Casper the Friendly Ghost. No, K-A-S-P-A-R. Yeah. 
is the not friendly ghost. Yeah, unfriendly ghost Casper. Yeah. Doing a lot of suggesting on this particular final table. Yeah. Including this hand, which I think this might be the best of the hands. I don't know. Oh, yeah? I like this one a lot. Okay, great. Vogel I don't really know much about this. Both Vogelsang and Andre Novak, his opponent, make very interesting decisions, especially on the flop. Okay, the cool. The turn also, though. But then also the river. Really? Actually, this, this is a damn fine hand. Well, if I knew that, I would have done a better opening. Yeah. So let's get to it, because okay. it's a damn fine one. All right, as, as you mentioned, fifth place is 70K. That's only seven, seven buy-ins, so you're not, like, breaking the I mean, not the many people open. played in this event is yeah. what I'm learning. But Neymar Jr. made it in, in like, obviously a tough well, field, right? But that's why he made it, because yeah. not many people played in this event. Like, there were fair. probably four tables yeah. or something. Maybe yeah. more, but not many more. That's fair. First is 224K, so, yeah, playing for about 150. I mean, cool. Also, Neymar, that's nothing to him. Of course it is. He, he, like, he's, he's probably got hundreds of millions of dollars, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, of course, it isn't, is what you mean when you say it. Yeah, that's what I meant. But it doesn't matter. He's not in this hand. No. He's a garbage I mean, he, he, receives, he receives cards, oh. but he does not play them. But he might not even be at the table. We can't tell because it's online, right? Uh, we can tell when it's online. What do you mean he, we can't tell because it's online? Yeah, he's at the table. No, I mean, like, he may have gotten up from his table. Oh, oh yeah. He might be getting a pot of coffee ready to go for the big run ahead. Can I just say that's offensive? Because he's Brazilian. He's super into coffee. Yep. Wow. Yeah, that's the only group of people who are into coffee. <laughs> that's what you're saying, not Yeah, that is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying that the only people who like coffee are Brazilians. <laughs> I think that's... That's a scientific fact. By the way, have you ever heard of Colombians? I know they like coffee. That's two right there. So you're wrong. Damn. <laughs> I've been called out yet again. All right. Let's, let's get to it. All right. Christoph Vogelsang <laughs> is chip leading with 6.3 million. Yeah. Uh, I didn't write down the blinds, but I'm going to... Fabulous. It's uh, what is he 60K. Raised 60K big blind. Okay. Oh, so he's got six million? Yeah, so he's got over 100 bigs. Okay. I'm going to write down the blinds right now so I don't forget. That's great. I would be worried about you forgetting, and now I don't have to worry about that. Also, because I'm going to put it in the Discord. People need to know. Right. Uh, 6.3 million. He's going to open under the gun slash hijack, because they're five-handed. Okay. With two eights, eight of spades, eight of hearts, to 126K. Okay. Andre Novak, you you said his name ends with a lot of Ys and is long. It's not long, but it does end with a lot of Ys. It's A-N-J-E-Y-Y-Y. I mean, it's seven letters. It's longer Andre than your name. Jonathan. How many letters is in Jonathan? How many letters is in Grant? Seven. <laughs> Depends on how you spell it. Close enough. That's true. Yeah. G-R-A-N-T-T-T-T. It's or more. T-H-E-E. Um, G-R-A-N-T-H-E-E. Huh. Didn't even think about that. Also, there could be silent letters like K. Yeah. The, the people are putting Ks everywhere these it's days. It's smart. It's yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Andre Novak okay. has four million. He's tied for second in chips. Yeah. 66 blinds. He's got ace 10 of diamonds on the button, and he calls. This is absolutely a spot where you could three bet, right? You certainly could three bet. Um, I was immediately, I, I'm curious if there's anyone especially short at the table. No, no, I don't think there is. Let, okay. me, let me double check. I see that at least somebody's got uh, 50 blinds, but that's not especially that short. That is the short stack. Okay. So yeah. that's not, so, so we don't have to worry about like, I, particular ICM stuff. Right. We could three bet. Calling is fine with this hand on the button, though. Yeah, it plays well. Yeah. Uh, there's another player named Wantelos in the I big blind, the small blind who is Neymar folds, uh, who calls with two threes in the big blind. This okay. player is not going to matter, but they have 2.9 million. I mean, it's mean for you to say it, but it's honest. It's true. That's the grant people have been looking for this whole time. Yeah. The one who tells no, you. No, start crying. Not yet. <laughs> okay. You, you, you want it too soon. You know, <laughs> you have to wait for the right I'm spot. Not, I've never been patient. You have to hit it at the apex and then the crescendo uh, happens. I always just jump the gun. Yeah. That's why you never made it in NASCAR. You accelerate before the turn. Yeah. It's too much. Well, but I want to win. That's not how you win, though. I, I don't think you understand. I don't think you understand. Then why aren't you in NASCAR? Because wanting isn't always enough. I don't have the talent. I have the drive. You would think that would be enough in NASCAR. Yeah. <laughs> Yet it's not. Yeah. It's an other talent. This, this podcast is all over the place. <laughs> it wow. Really it's a good one, though. Hopefully. I feel it's a good one. Anyway, ace-10, the diamonds calls, pocket threes calls, and the big blind. Yeah, we got 445,000 in the pot. The important hands are going to be Vogelsangs with two eights and Andre Novak with ace-10 of diamonds. Okay. The flop is eight of clubs, six of clubs, ten of spades. So that's kind of a bingo, bango, bongo for Vogelsang. Top, top against his set of eights yeah. for Andre Novak. It does seem pretty good. But here's what happens. Okay. Everybody checks. So go ahead and explain that one to me, Levy. Don't worry about Wantlos with threes. Yeah. But Vogel saying is the aggressor. The board is this, and he has middle set, and I he mean, checks. 
that's why he's checking though, right? Because the board is this, right? I understand his three hand, ways. Right. You three ways. Three he's more likely to check, not less likely to check when it's three ways, right? Well, on this board, because normally he doesn't have a set on this I, board. Yeah, I mean, but he's like, the balanced guy. He is, but you're gonna bet sometimes on this board. Not no very much on this board three ways. Maybe he's betting zero percent on this board. I don't know. Maybe. I but but so little that he can check a set of eights at least some of the time. He's got to check some sets. Wouldn't you love to be able to bet ace four yes. of clubs? Of course, and, and he may be betting a bunch of his sets also, you know, yeah. like, and some of his other hands, but you, you can't just check, like, over pairs only or all your sets. You have to, like, have some sets in your checking range, yeah. some sets in your betting range. This is the kind of board three ways. He's way, he has a lot more checks on anyway, so he's got to keep some super strong hands in there. So that one makes more sense to me, honestly, than ace-10 suited checking. In position after the aggressor checks? I don't know what that's about at all. Why aren't we betting here? Don't well, we want, I mean, there's a pot we could win. Could it be a balance thing, too? I mean, you, I, I think you're more concerned about balance for the aggressor, but there's, there's yeah. balance to be had in other places. We have a lot of tens, a reasonable amount of tens here, clearly. We have ace tens suited. I guess we have suited tens probably all the way down to nine tens suited. Yeah. Um, we have hands like pocket nines and pocket sevens and pocket sixes, all of which might bet here just to protect equity and, or deny equity, really, I should say. Um, same, same thing, really. Um, I am quite surprised we don't see a bet from top top once Vogel Saint checks in position. Like we're giving a free card now. There's a lot of over cards. I guess in our mind, maybe because we have the ace, that's a little bit better, right? I mean, it's like we have nine ten. Ace ten is way better to well, check nine, than nine ten. I don't know if it is because nine ten can improve more easily. Well, but ace ten means if an ace comes, we make aces up against what is often an ace for okay, Vogel Saint. Yeah, that's true. As too. opposed to like all the over cards being a problem. Um, but there still are kings, queens, and jacks that are all over cards, plus whatever the fuck these guys actually have, you know? I mean, there's two clubs, and yep, it's very coordinated. I would be betting ace-ten all diggity day long. You would here. probably be betting a set of eights if you were Vogelsang, too. I would often be betting a set of eights, but ace-ten feels like... I at least understand why Vogelsang's checking. Yeah. But, like, we called on the button. We've got tens. You know, we've got sets. We've got tens. We've got all the stuff. We've got big flush draws. We, you know, we've got queen jack of clubs here. We've got. I'm not exactly clubs. sure what you're arguing. You're arguing that he has value, so he has to bet value. I'm saying he's got a lot of bets here. Normally, yeah. So why wouldn't he bet this hand? This is a great hand to bet. Yeah. How does he like? He doesn't know that Vogel saying has a strong hand here. There's no tell run line. I mean, maybe maybe is a timing tell. Seems Im- almost impossible <laughs> against yeah. the robot that yeah. is Andrew or Andrew Vogel saying. No. Uh, Christoph Vogel. Yeah. I knew a guy once named Andrew Vogel. I think that's what happened there. That seems like what happened. Yep. He used to tell funny stories about having sex with women whose names he didn't know. Anyway, <laughs> just once. Cool. It's a good story. Anyway, um, so I'm really surprised. I, I certainly agree with you. With the hand as strong as eights, it's hard not to bet that. But I understand why Vogel's saying isn't, especially solver man yeah. Vogel's saying. I'm just so surprised Ace 10 suited checks back. I, they're both very surprising. Like, what are we betting if we're checking Ace-10 suited here? What are we betting? Yeah, it's. I mean, like, maybe we're not betting draws either because we have to have balance. I mean... We're three ways. We're in position. We don't ever want to, like, put money in the pot here. It's really weird. It is odd. It is odd. It, we, like, almost always have the best hand. Not this time, but almost always. It feels more like exploit than balance. Yeah. And I wonder what that exploit is. I mean, maybe the guy who's in the big blind is taking shots all the time when, when there's an opportunity. So, we have ace-10. What's the problem? Go ahead, take a shot. No, yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, you mean we check and then yeah. he's going to bet. So that way we get to... Yeah. But there's so many potentially bad cards for us. Like you're saying, there's straight cards, there's flush cards, there's over cards. Like, something like 55% of the deck is, like, really problematic for us on the turn. Yeah. I don't know why we're giving away... It feels like we're giving away this pot by checking a lot of the time for no reason. Or if we bet, we just take it down, or we get value against worse hands and get to knock out one of the other hands. All those things sound good to me. I'm really surprised. Me too. Me too. I, I guess that is less easy to explain than Vogelsang's check, although they both surprised me quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard not to bet a, a hand as strong as the second nuts three ways, right? Third, you're, third nuts. There's, third nuts? There's a straight out there. There is not. It is 8 five, ten. Eight, five, ten. Yep. Are you sure about that? Yep. Really? Eight of clubs, five of clubs, ten of spades. I'm looking at oh, it. Oh, I wrote it wrong. Oh. You're looking, at, you're looking at the actual video? No, I'm looking at what you wrote. Eight of clubs, six of clubs, ten of spades. Oh, that's a six? What's the matter with you? 
I was too far away. <laughs> it looked like a five. Well, that was a waste of everyone's time. Does that surprise you more about Vogelsang's check then, now that you know that it's a six, not a five? Um, I mean, I don't think it matters that much. Maybe a little bit. I mean, there's straight draws either way. Yeah, right? but it's a little bit more coordinated. It's slightly more coordinated. You're right. Um, yeah, I guess it does. I guess slightly more. I'd expect him to bet a little bit more. But he probably does bet a little bit more, just not this hand this time, right? I guess. I guess. I mean, it's just two, two things that you really never kind of see. Like, middle set on a board like this, I know all the theory that, that makes sense behind it, like why you might have some combos like this, but you never actually see it. I mean, like, you, of course you do yeah. at, the, at the highest levels. Yeah. We're in a 10K online event. These are the highest levels. Right. Right. So, and this is the guy who is maybe the, among the most likely people in the world, him and Sean Winter maybe, to like actually do what the solver says to do in this exact spot. Maybe, maybe Phil Goffon, maybe Tom Dwan once in a while. Nice like, winter reference, bro. Yeah, you know, I know he's trying to be solver perfect. Um, so like, I, it's not wildly surprising to me. Of course he has to have some sets in his checking range here. And he's going to have more because this is, he's going to be checking this board more. Three okay, ways I guess, especially. Obviously, we cannot know the answer for Christoph Vogel saying, but right. if you were trying to create a balanced checking range here, how would you choose which sets to include? That's a cool question. Well, I don't have a... Usually, the, the thing we always default to, of course, is basically some version of we want to check top set because we want to keep top pair alive, right? So, or, or, like, if we have top... There's less likely to be top yeah, pair. I'm sorry. Let right. me say it differently. That's not, if you bet not middle or bottom set, you're more likely to get action. Of course, than, right? We don't block top yeah. pair. That, that's what I really poorly said. But yes. that's what I was trying yes. to get to. Um, so that is reasonable for sure. Uh, by checking, by having pocket eights, what do we block that we would want to block? I'm trying to think. Eight, seven, eight, nine. That doesn't matter. Uh, I mean, let's block some of the gutters, I guess. But it, do we care if we block the gutters at this point? I no. mean, like, it's not a huge deal. No. Also, if the eight, seven, or eight, nine is out there, like, fine. And They're going to call not, anyway. And right. We like that. That's good. Well, we're saying there aren't as many of them out there because we're yeah. blocking them, right? Um, so they're less likely to, there's less hands to call yeah. us with. Um, but still, 10, 9. 10-9 suited is there, right? 10-9 off ten, is in the big queen blind. queen-10, king-10, ace-10. Ace-10, ten. spades. 10-4 suited clubs. maybe in the big blind. Who knows? Absolutely. Like, the big blind could have all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um, is it possible also that Anjay actually bets a lot? Now, you would think if Anjay bets a likely. lot. Probably Anjay's betting this hand too. But, you know, I looked up uh, Anjay. Andre Novik, yeah. Yes. And in terms of uh, a Hendon... So live stuff, not a wildly impressive resume, something like 350K yeah. in the Hendon. But I looked, uh, I looked up Anjay on uh, Pocket Fives. I, got, I just saw the PokerStar stuff, and it was like pages and pages and pages of caches. A lot of them not very big, but that doesn't mean there aren't very big ones in there. I just didn't want to look through all of them. Right. It, wasn't, it wasn't well organized, so I didn't want to get into it. Um, he's not like a top player. Like I put his name just in pop, Pocket Fives. It didn't pop up. You right. know what I mean? So that was meaningful to me. That, um, I don't know. He could, I'm saying he could be one of those guys who like bets when he doesn't have anything, and when he has something, he checks a lot. You know, like this, this feels is, like such this, an obvious. This bet. isn't really having something in the same way that you're describing. I know, it's not no. a set. It's not. It's not top two. It's not something like. And that. And it's very vulnerable. Of course, it is. This is what I've been arguing the whole time. Yeah, I think you should be betting. Uh, but maybe this is. But maybe. In, I mean, in, I think Vogelsang should be betting too. If he didn't check, and I posed the question, "How often are you checking a set here?" You'd probably say something like, "I'd have like one total combo of sets that I would check here." No, I wouldn't say that. On this, this is a board that as the preflop raiser, we're usually checking three ways, especially out of position. We're usually checking. So you're checking like half your sets on this board? I think we are. I think we're checking a lot of our overpairs and a lot of our sets. I really do. Mm. Um, but, you know, to see it and to see it, I know it's always like, but, oh, my God, it's a scary board. Yeah. You know? What if he has a club draw and we can get it in right now and I have great equity? What if he has a 10 and I can get a lot more money out of him, you know? Yeah, but we can often get... Um, Club draws to put in a lot of money later, too, right? Yeah. Especially when we check where it doesn't look like we're very strong. They may be more aggressive. It's just such an interesting way to play the hand. It's for, very... It, it is. It is. For both these guys. Well, that's what we did. Okay. We checked the middle set and top, top. Okay, fine. I mean, fine. No one wants money. Everyone hates money. You're now. allowed to do that. You're allowed to do that on Nitrogen Sports as well. To what? Hate money? You can, you can hate money. You can love money. You can check sets. You can check top, top. You can bluff with air. You can do all the stuff, all the poker stuff that you want to do. Isn't that cool? That's so cool. It has all the functionality. Check and raise. 
is allowed <laughs> at certain tables. Wait, wait, but you mean check and raise? Like I check and then another street I raise, right? You mean like yeah, that? yeah? If you you can't check raise on the same street, that's that's that's, that's check raise, not check and raise. Yeah, yeah, that's that's they would never let that. That's considered rude. <laughs> People do get offended. Not many. People not anymore. anymore. Probably not very often anymore. A little bit. I still read on Reddit sometimes in our poker. People, someone would be like, some old guy's like, oh, you're that kind of a guy. <laughs> the first time I ever played poker live, I was 19 years old, and I played 3-6 Limit, mm. and, which is an awful game. Don't play it. Um, but I check-raised, and like one of the regulars who was like this 55-year-old woman was like, oh, checking and raising, huh? That's a... Uh, that's kind of out of line, kid. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Uh, and I was like, what What are you talking about? Are we trying to win money? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on? That's That That actually don't, happened. Don't get in. Don't go cross the culture, man. You crossed the culture. I guess I did. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I didn't feel too bad about it. Anyway, nitrogen point being, sports. on nitrogen, they won't let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to worry about offending someone on nitrogen. Right. Because you can't check raise in poker. That's not true. You can. You can okay. also sports bet. Yeah. You can do the casino games. You if you use stuff. the link in the description of the podcast, you get access to our monthly tournament, which is fantastic. You also get access to cool promotions, such as March Madness pools, where they pay out in a free entry, or survivor pools in the NFL, pay out in a free entry. Sounds pretty good. You know, what, what are those things called in front of, like, uh, car dealerships, the big men with, the, like, the air that go through them, and they're all, like... The Dancy Boys. The Dancy Boys. Yeah. Um, you could do it. You'd be so happy. You'll do, you'll look like a dancy boy. <laughs> that's that's. If you use you the can. link in the yeah, description, if you use the link when you sign up to nitrogen. All right, cool. Dancy boy. That's not what they're called. I just. I think they should be called like balloon men, but that doesn't really that doesn't really write either. They're not balloon men. There's probably a name for it. You can yeah. look it up. You got a computer. I'm not looking it. anything up. <laughs> I'm not your your man who looks things up. I'm not your guy in the chair. But you're the guy who wants to know. Yeah. <laughs> love but to you know. refuse to look I'm up. really curious, actually. I'd <laughs> love to know that. Well, but I guess we'll never know because now you can't ever look it up or else it'll hurt your pride. I'm, yeah, no. I, I might look it up in private no, and never no, tell won't. anyone. No, you won't because you'll know. Yeah, I'll know. You'll be I'll like, know that I was the guy who looked up. I'm weak. Yeah. I'm weak. You'll wake up every... You'll be like the Milgram experiment people who did the Milgram <laughs> like all the way to the death. <laughs> How do we bring these things so full circle? I'll never know, but that was impressive. Thank you. Really Thank impressive. You. All right, back to the hand. All right, so again, eight of clubs, six of clubs, ten of spades flop, and we have somehow a check three ways from Vogelsang with a set of eights and Andre Novak with ace ten suited in position. Mm. Not of clubs, not protected by the clubs. Yeah. Just of diamonds. Yeah. The turn is the five of diamonds, okay. which uh, doesn't really complete anything except for four seven or potential two pair type hands. Right. Um, it wasn't already there. The pocket threes is, of course, done with his hand at this point. Like, there's no reason to do anything. I guess you could stab, but like... I mean, everyone checked. You might have the best hand. That's a good card. You could decide to stab here. You could. I wouldn't, mostly. It's like, I, I feel like I'm not getting enough folds. You'd have to really be just hoping you're up against two king queens. I mean, you figure Vogel saying is the only guy you have to worry about. You should almost always be able to get a fold from... Uh... What's his name? What's the online Andre name? Novak. No, I know, but what's his name? Oh, Andre. 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 I don't know why you're extending the beginning Cause part. Andre, because there's three Ys at the end, so you have right. to extend... For the end, too, you have to Pull extend. that thing along. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, you'd expect... So, uh, it's not crazy to, tr- to stab here. It isn't, but you did keep mentioning, like, it's not like, yeah. like Vogel saying checking over pairs and stuff being a relatively common play on this board. It's true. It's true. And our, our plan is just, as pocket threes, if we check, Vogelsang bets, Anjay folds, we're just probably going to have to fold. Yeah, we just threes. fold. I mean, we, we can't improve in any reasonable way. Like, we way. don't need to win this pot just yes. because we have threes and we might be ahead. Like, we have so many better hands on this board. Oh my God, Who so cares? Many. I think that's great. We also, it costs us, like, just barely a blind to see this yeah. flop and turn. We got a free turn. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. With Let's you. just go get a margarita. Yeah. Forget it. Yeah. So that's what he does. He checks or okay. she. Um, Vogelsang's finally going to bet. So Can't brave. get Germans to do anything. He's bet 147K into 445. So he's I going, mean, going so pretty small. small. I guess he's trying to... He's pretending it's the flop? He, he's trying to evoke something from one of his opponents because yeah. now, now Watlos has checked twice and Andre checked in position. So maybe Vogelsang thinks like it's very rare for his opponents to have anything. So he's just trying to get a little bit of that cheese? Yeah, a little bit of rat cheese. Yeah. Cheese for rats. 
You know, you say, I said that cheese. No, I said rat cheese. Though. Rat cheese. <laughs> yeah. What What is cheese for rats? What kind of cheese is that? Uh, you, you've never been at the grocery store and yeah. seen the section for rat cheese? I guess I, you know, I don't really pay a lot of attention a, yeah. in the cheese section. It's a specific cheese. <laughs> oh, it's it's not a section. It's just a cheese. Well, you said the section There's for only rat one brand of rat cheese, oh. but it is so popular <laughs> that each grocery store has an entire section dedicated to but it. But it must be a small section because I've never noticed it. But again, I don't but really You're quite oblivious to things. I, I actually am. This is true. Here's a true story. I'm going to veer off into a true story <laughs> about okay. Jonathan Levy and grocery stores. Cool. All right. So this is not the Safeway Sinesia I, story. I, I assumed it wasn't. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know if we've told the Safeway Sinesia story. I don't know if we need to, but we won't. Not right this now. This is a different story. Okay. Um, so we were talking about tacos one day because Jonathan had some... Hard shell taco shells. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you've been making some tacos? And he's like, yeah, I like them. I'm like, don't you prefer a soft shell? Because, like, you know, the hard shell always gets all crumbly. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan said, well, yeah, sh- soft shells are better for that. I agree. But, like, where do you get that? Like a Mexican a Mexican supermarket or something? Yeah. Or, like, have you heard of a tortilla? <laughs> 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 it's just a tortilla, man. <laughs> I thought that was very funny. I don't think that's a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> because it makes you look stupid? No. It, a tortilla is not the same thing as a soft shell. Are we here again? <laughs> How is it not? Hold on. Hold on. I'm going to go look because I have, I have some soft shell tacos. Okay. I, I'm, yeah, Jonathan actually got it from the table. He's going to go look at soft shells. All right. It does say yellow corn tortillas. <laughs> so what, did you think, what did you think was I happening? I was hoping it wasn't going to say that. How did, how did this happen months ago? I brought it up to make fun of you, and you let it happen again in front of everyone. I was hoping you were going to be wrong, and that I was going to make fun of you in front but of But how everyone. could... I, I, guess, I guess this is a dumb question to ask you, but how could I have been wrong? <laughs> like, how is it not a tortilla? This is a good time for the veneer to fade. <laughs> <laughs> I get why people think these things are written. Look at the look at the incredible like the strings, the threads yeah, we that got attached. We from did not twenty five minutes ago. We did not plan that, Jonathan. Actually, <laughs> that was all real, man. He's hold, he, there's now soft shell tortillas. I'm holding them up right now. Yeah, corn tortillas for for making tacos or whatever else yeah, you want tacos. because they're just tortillas. They're tacos. They could be used for anything. But I only use them for tacos. And in fact, I would just like to say the picture. Only tacos for on the for the size of tortilla you got there. That's a very common usage, sure. But you yeah, can also make enchiladas small. with those. Yeah, but you need cheese for that, don't you? <laughs> Do you not need other ingredients besides the tortilla for tacos? But of course, of course, <laughs> so I'm what, saying. So I'm not going to put cheese in in my enchilada. <laughs> what are you talking about? I want to make rat cheese or any other kind let of me, let me enchilada let cheese. Me try to kind run of back guy. what just happened. <laughs> I said you could also make enchiladas with that. And you said, but you need cheese for that. As if tacos were not a thing you put cheese on. I don't put cheese on my tacos. Well, no, I do not. I do not. But you could. Well, you could put cheese on anything. You can put cheese on a computer. That's not a point. (laughs) Okay. Maybe we should round it back to poker now. (laughs) Now they're like, people are like, boy, for a little while, I thought maybe this was all planned out. I no longer think that. No, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. It's not okay. Based on that conversation. That's that's the thing that happened. Woo. That was real life. Okay. Oh, that was great. Anyway, eight of clubs, six of clubs, ten of spades. Right. Turn is the five of diamonds. Want lowest checks. Vocal saying has bet small. We're surprised. One hundred forty-seven k into four forty-five with a set of eights. Okay. Here's another surprising decision, although maybe justifiable. Uh, Andre Novak with his ace ten of diamonds raises. It's very interesting. What do you think? He makes it five forty. I. First of all, I am surprised and don't feel that is a typical play here. I yeah. feel like the typical play is to call. Uh, you're usually ahead for sure. But it's hard. the problem with raising is it's hard to imagine what hands are going to continue against you that are worse than yours, right? Um, I can think of lots of hands that are better than mine that would continue. All the over pairs, yeah. all the sets, all the two pairs. Those are None of those are going to fold, I don't think. Right. Jacks aren't going to fold. But what might fold is like, if somehow he has pocket nines here and decides to bet and now we raise, he might fold. Uh, he might call. Because feel, we checked the flop. I feel like that's what Novak is targeting is nines and sevens yeah. and hands like that. I mean, it's because, it's because we checked the flop. You yeah. Think? I guess that we also have a straight draw if we have nines or sevens, right? I mean, to whatever's going on, at least he's fucking with the dials. Like, it's very yes. hard to put him on ace 10 here. It's super weird because you don't think ace 10 is taking either of these actions yeah. on the flop or the turn. I like that a lot. And I think he's actually going with the fact that his story, which he's gone out of his way to engineer this way, yeah. is 
weird as fuck, and it's really hard to believe he has strong value. Yeah. Unless he has pocket sixes, or pocket fives, I should say. Pocket and, fives, and turn, yeah. And turn to set. That's the only thing that Fives makes make any the most sense, sense by yeah. far. I guess there's two pair combos, like five, six. Sure. Five, six suited. That's, that's like the only other obvious thing that's strong value, right? Yeah. There's, there's um, pairs and f- straight draws. Uh, Which you would have expected to bet the flop a lot, too. A lot of the time. But maybe not all the time. But most, like six, seven suited, maybe checks the flop. I would think that would usually bet, but I would have thought a 10 was going to bet, too. But, it, but it'd be weird to raise that hand right now, anyway. So I think what he's doing is mostly targeting... A six, an eight, pocket sevens or pocket nines. Hands that you might expect from a more traditional perspective for Vogelsang to check the flop with. Vogelsang could have a hand like a seven suited, have checked the flop, turned the open ender, yeah. now be betting, and you feel like you're gonna get a lot of you're gonna get action from that yeah. sometimes. Similarly, ace eight or a six suited, perhaps, you know, where he flopped a pair but decided to check because right. it's coordinated and you know you check a lot on this and, board. And if if uh, Andre knows this, knows he's actually up against Vogelsang, which he probably does. I think so. Um, and knows enough about Vogelsang, which, again, he probably does. He may also be just aware that Vogelsang is going to continue, like, 65 70% of the time when he decides to bet the turn and in his race. Like, yeah. he's, gonna, he's just going to continue with a fair amount of his range because that's what you have to do if you're p- trying to play GTO or something close to it. I think he's just targeting a weaker 10 or a, yeah. a, sing- a one-pair hand that would have checked the flop, which I think are all things you could put Vogelsang on. You could. You could. But it's if you're going to give him a weaker 10, you would expect a lot of... T- if, if Vogelsang... Has a 10, you expect him to bet that. And if you think he's not betting that, then you have to assume he's not betting all the other stuff that's a lot stronger, too. It's just, it just gets interesting. Okay, fair, but let's forget about the 10s, even. Okay. He does have potentially 9s, 7s. Yes. yes. Any sort of 6 combo that he could have and any sort of 8 combo that he could have yep. might, might play just like this. Yep. And Agreed. I think he's probably going to call with most of them. Um, yeah, like 8, 9 suited is, yeah. is a really reasonable answer. 8 suited. Under. I, I mean, he because we checked and now we're raising, he might call. He yeah. might just feel obligated to call. That's true. How could you fold if you had? It's very strange. If you had ace eight suited, I don't. I don't think you fold. I mean, it looks like you're up against. I mean, really, it feels like Novak is repping a seven. Like, yeah, right. Because like he checks and now he raises. I guess he could have a monster or a seven. It turns out he's got neither. Which yeah, is cool. Like you're saying, he's got like a pretty good hand. Yeah, he's got a hand that. It, Usually is best, yeah, and should struggle to get this kind of action. But against Vogel saying, and at this level, this might work out great. But he's against a set of eights, so yeah. it's probably not going to work out because he's drawing dead. Unless oh, he can find oh. a way to get Vogel saying to fold. Although I don't think that should be his intention with Ace Ten here. That would seem very odd. So, what do you do as Vogel saying now? How do you interpret this strange play? Well, the first thing we should know is that there's almost no hand that this five. I don't know if there's any hands. In fact, this five comes in that takes us from losing to wi- winning to losing, right? Yeah, four seven suited, which I don't think it you're going to see calling preflop. Can't be there on on maybe, maybe the big blind has it. There's yeah. no way the button has it, right? So the button was already was either already ahead of us or is losing. It's almost always losing, right? Yeah. The button almost never has pocket tens. We're beating all the other sets. We're beating all two pairs. There just aren't very many straights that make any sense at all. Unless seven nine suited checked back the flop and is now raising the turn. Had to be there, which it probably is in any way pre-flop. I think we clearly have the best hand, as Vogel's saying, enough of the time that we just don't worry about that. Yes. So, so the question is, are we raising? Yeah, how do we get maximum value for our hand? I am inclined to want to raise because we're out of position because a lot of battle. Oh, there's a, so many scare cards. That it's can come a dirty board. It's already dirty. It can, it can easily get dirtier. Yeah. The board pairing or the club coming or another straight card coming is all problematic. It's, it either beats us or we don't get any action. Also, overcards may scare our opponent out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't want that. Like an ace could come, a king could come, you know, like later and then check, check, or we bet and they fold or whatever. I want to just keep the lead right now. Also, if we put in the raise right now, how much, what's the effective stack here? How much does Novak starts with 4 million? We could potentially get all of it. Yeah. So let's put in the raise. What if, what if he turned a set of fives like he's repping? Let's get it all, man. I was going to touch on that again. Like, if I were sitting in Vogelsang's seat, I would think the most likely hand, or at least the story that makes the most sense, is pocket fives. Yeah, and that, that hand is going to call a three bet. Oh. Or, not, or go all in. Yeah, and if, it, and if it's non-terrifying card comes on the river, it's calling a big bet yeah. slash shove on the river, too. Five, six. I'm not sure what five, six is doing if we re-raise here. Maybe it faults. Maybe it feels like it has to call against us. Um, 
It probably has to call. I think it does, especially against Vogelsang, who's going to have bluffs here for yeah. sure because he has to and he maybe, knows it. Maybe you fold against you know Dennis Phillips. But, right, exactly. You know. There's there's guys you can fold this this hand to for sure, but not this guy. Yeah. So that's pretty good. I definitely want to put in the race, having said all that. That's what Kristoff does. Nice. Now, the thing is, I wanted to bet the flop too, but we can find GTO reasons not to, right? Like yeah. you want to bet the flop with a set of eights, right? That yeah. feels better. Of course. Does Is that still making... A raise a good play with a set of eights, or is that just that you want to, or is it actually like the right play? Well, we talked about all the scare cards that can come. Yeah, being out of position is another reason to want to put the raise in right now, yeah. too. Right? It's so so much of the time it's going to go check check if we just call here, mm-hmm. or we bet the river and he just folds. Yeah. Um, that I, I'd be concerned about all that, uh, so we don't get any more money anyway. But when he has a really strong hand, we may not get any more. If he's got pocket fives and a club comes, we may get more, more money instead of getting it all. That feels like a good enough reason. Like all his, all his strong value. We're beating kind of all of it, mm-hmm. unless he somehow is 7-9 suited, which doesn't feel super likely, or pocket tens, which seems impossible, basically, or almost impossible. Yep. I, just, I think it's a good idea, not just something I want to do. Yep. I, I agree. Good points. Cool. That's what he does. Makes it 1.32 million over the 540. Wow. What the hell are you going to do now with Ace 10? This is one of the things that yes. can happen. Yes. And now you start. To, now you can see how you can start to talk yourself into. Well, I checked the flop, so I look weak too. I, it looks like I have a seven, or a best two pair mostly, and maybe once in a while a set of fives. But that's like it. Five six, a rando seven like a seven suited or something eight seven. I don't know. So are we too high in our distribution to fold? Is that that's what, you're what I'm asking? To? I'm wondering. Maybe I don't. This is such an odd spot because yeah. it's hard to put yourself in a spot like this. There are a lot of draws, and none of them have come in yet. Like, it seems maybe against Vogel saying specifically we're not supposed to fold. Because, like you said, he's not Dennis Phillips. Also, we're in position. So we can call and see. If a, if a non-scary card comes on the river, we can see what he does. We don't have to always call all rivers. Yeah, yeah. You know? Um, on a scary card, if a scary card comes and he shoves or bets big, we're going to have to fold. I mean, this is a shitty spot, right? Feels yeah. like we're... The river... I've been in this spot a lot where you feel like you have to call the turn, and then it's like... What good things can happen on the river, though? It's hard to come up with that much, except check, check, and I get to turn over the winner. There's almost no other good scenario, really, right? right? Unless I make a crazy hero call and I'm right. Which, like, even if a 10 comes and then Vogelsang goes all in, it's, not, it's not great. Well, it's not great, but we're going to have to call, yeah. obviously. Um, but I think we're really hoping for check, check if we call here. But I think we probably are supposed to call against someone who, who's going to have a reasonable amount of bluffs. Yeah, I guess we have to at this point, just because we're, we played it so strangely on the flop. Like, being underrepped in this way... It helps us. We block top set. Yeah. That is actually, I mean, yeah. We were saying that we think top set's the best set to check, yeah, probably. So blocking that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's only one combo. Yeah. I guess we're supposed to call, but I, now you're like, oh, what has happened? I am like Jeff Goldblum in that movie. You know? Um, what? Earth Girls Are Easy? Was he in that? Yeah. After Hours? That's Griffin Dunn. Earth Girls are easy. About last night? Nope, that's Rob Lowe. Uh, Jurassic. Just that movie, Jurassic. Jurassic World? <laughs> just, he was in the second Jurassic World movie. Was he? He was. Just a little bit. Well, I will never see it. Probably. He's going to be in the third one, I think, too. Excellent. It's coming out this summer. I mean, you got to capitalize on that gold bloom magic. I mean, he's got something. Anyway. Right, right. Anyway, sorry. Novak ends up calling. I uh, I couldn't fault him for calling. I can't fault him for folding if he does that either. This is the thing that Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy try and avoid so much that we like, doesn't really occur to us to raise the turn in this spot. Right. Because we're like, what if I get three bet? I have no plan for that. That's any good. Right. So I'm just going to call here. I get to be in position. I get to do pot control. I mean, this is a very reasonable thing. Mm-hmm. But like, in practice, you don't get three bet in this spot very often, right? Yeah. But we're so concerned about getting three bet that I think it probably, it might stifle us even a little bit. I, I kind of like that this guy's playing his hand this way, even though it's really not working out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you. I think that's, that's cool. Yeah. Anyway, now there's three million in the pot, and uh, okay. Novak's got two and a half million left. Yeah, okay. We don't have to call all river shoves, though. We don't have to. I'm just saying. The river is the king of spades, which is actually kind of a nothing card. Yeah. Shouldn't interact with either player's range. I guess it could interact with Novak's. Maybe he could have King-10 if he can have Ace-10. Oh, okay. He can have King-10. But yeah. I don't think it in any way interacts with Vogelsang's range. I don't think he has pocket kings. Nope. I don't think he has King-10. Nope. 
So he doesn't have those things. Uh, he could have King X of clubs, maybe. Yeah. Once in a while. But him three betting that, I guess, is possible. Yeah. Okay. But, okay. But like, you know, if it goes check, check, like, we're not putting another dime in if we can avoid it. Right? Oh, yeah. As, as Novak. So For if sure. he checks, if he's got, if he hits the king, so be it. Like, also, like, oh, what are we going to try and bluff him now? Like, we can't. Like, if we lost, we lost. All right. Hook me up with the theory behind this. Okay. Because Novak is left with two and a half million, and Vogelsang, who set it up this way, Decides to bet one point nine two million. I kind of love instead it. of going all in. Yeah. So what's the theory behind that? I think it's twofold. Uh, one is just the idea of saying to Novak, like, it's okay, you're gonna have a little left. Yeah, little, you're not you're not out of the tournament. Sleep. It's not your tournament life. Sleep, sweet child. I mean, you know, you get ten blinds. I'm leaving you with ten blinds. If if you're wrong, you still have ten blinds. I think that does matter, right? Like from a like a tournament specialist point of view, you know that matters a little bit, right? But of course, then Vogel saying we'll have to when he's playing against good competition, do this as bluffs too. Of course, yeah. of course, it's kind of nice to do it as a bluff. You get to save ten blinds, yeah. So it's kind of beautiful, yeah. So you give yourself that. Now you get less when you get called, but you figure you get called not that often here, probably. right? Although he did call a three bet, um, but still, you get called not that often. So. By being able to preserve those 10 blinds when you are bluffing, plus maybe he calls a little bit more often because he gets to still be in the tournament, those things combined at least makes it plausible and a reasonable bet sizing. I don't know if it's better than all-in. I would probably just go all-in with and not really think anything of it. Um, but I, I don't hate this at all. I'm fine with this. What do you think? I guess so. I mean, I think if Novak has a set of fives, he's probably going to call either way. Right. I agree. Set of fives and maybe five, six also. Yeah. Um, which is too bad. Yeah. That's where we don't get the last 10 blinds. If he's ever going to call with a hand like he has, this good. I don't know if, can he ever call with a hand like he has? I don't know. Maybe as Vogel saying, you can put him, maybe you know something about this guy and you can put him on a hand like this, but it would be hard for me to do that without knowing more about a player to say, oh, you have top, top here and maybe you'll call. I like, mean, I don't know why you think he would call 1.92 and not 2.5. Right. Like if, like you're really you're really targeting a hero call here by instead of just go, instead of shoving right, like anything that's strong value is calling no matter what. Like you're hoping to get called. I, I feel like you're targeting like pocket nines, which raised because it had blockers, but also wanted to like add add that as a combo to for the potential like turn raises, and now now has blockers to to the straight maybe. But again, why not shove? What's the difference? Yeah, like yeah. if they're gonna hero, they're gonna hero, right? So so the theory is unknown. Behind why Vogel saying, yeah, I like I threw some stuff out there. It's not crazy the stuff I'm saying, but I don't know that any of it's real. Yeah, uh, my guess is it's a way for him to preserve when he's bluffing, and yeah, so he's going with smaller sizing throughout. And the, uh, he's really chosen small sizing this whole hand though, like that small on the turn too. Uh, it probably has overall value. By the way, he could have sized up that three bet a, just a little bit more to make a shove on the river beyond yeah. obvious. I mean, it's still pretty obvious, but he chose not to even do that. It went 540 to 1.32 out of position. You go to gun 1.5. Easily. Yeah. It's all the same, right? right? But then that shove is like... More automatic. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, he's, he's the type of player who certainly thought this through, of course, in a way that we just don't know what his methodologies are or why he's doing it. We can only guess. Yep. That's the vocal saying way. Anyway, that's what he does. Okay. All right. Andre Novak. Enjoy. What now? Yeah, what was the plan now? You, I think you cry a little? Yeah. The veneer is lifted. You, you lay bare your soul? <laughs> um, I don't know what we're supposed to do now. This is awful. This was relatively inevitable once the three-bet came in on the turn, right? Like, it was going to happen a lot of the time. I mean, Volgasang has some give-ups. Yeah. For sure. Um, we have some cards that are going to come in that are, we're going to have an easy fold if he decides to put in a big bet. Yeah, like the Jack of Clubs or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a nine, anything that brings in the straight, the, the, uh, the four-card straight, anything that brings in the clubs, and he still bets like this, I think we can probably fold, because now what are we beating? Yeah. Nothing, right? Um, but are we just calling on all non-straightening and clubbing cards? Clubbing cards. That's good, right? Yeah. Uh, I don't think we should be calling on all of them. So how do we choose which ones to call? I don't know. Because like the king of the king of spades sounds like a good calling candidate. Yeah, because it, does. it doesn't interact with Vogelsang's range in any way. It really doesn't. Like you said, the king should only impact us and not him. Yeah, there are some other non-straightening clubbing cards that absolutely impact him. Right. Yeah. You and well, 
I don't know. What would they be, actually? If Fogelsang had king, queen of clubs. Yeah. Let's say that for a second. Could this have impacted him? Would he bet the river with that hand, or would he check? I can't believe he would bet after we just called a three bet. Yeah. Doesn't it look like we have five, six, or pocket fives a lot? And when we don't, we have draws that missed. How can he bet? He can check call to induce, but betting seems like a terrible idea. It does. So so I don't think he's betting just a solitary king here. Um, The fact that he bets continues to polarize him into... Hands like he ex- has exactly, mm-hmm. and misdraws. Yep. And he really can have the misdraws, right? Because he could have been check-raising that flop and didn't get the chance to. Yeah, and we, uh, we don't block any of the draws. I mean, so that's, that's good. pretty good. This card, doesn't, this card shouldn't be beating us. I mean, if he turns over King, Queen, and Clubs, we can just go you know, into the bathroom and you know, turn, on, turn on the hot water. Yeah. If we had ace ten of clubs, do you think it's it's clearly a fold because we block the draws? I think so. Yeah, I think that's where I think I think it has to be right. But and, and with this hand, we have to call because it's Vogel saying, and it actually ends up being pretty high in our distribution. I mean, I don't know how high it is in our distribution anymore. Oh, once we, we call the three, three bet. bet, and now we're here. We'd probably if we if we raise all of our top pairs, yeah. Then maybe we have a bunch of other tens that we can shed. Right, but if we don't. I'm not sure what else is here. Yeah. It's really hard to know what else is here, though. Like, he it, may, like you said, he may have pocket nines. He played the hand in a strange way, so it's, it's really hard to tell. Yeah. I'm really curious to know what the solver wants to do in all these spots, because there's so many unusual decisions in this hand. Yeah. Every, every street's got really interesting decisions, yeah. actually, like you said. Didn't I say? You really did. Turns out this isn't a derivative podcast. This is its own trailblazing show. I mean, we had, we had psychology experiment reviews. We talked about how Jonathan, despite having been told once already, still doesn't know what a tortilla is. I mean, okay, no, that's fair. <laughs> it's been incredible. Anyway, uh, anyway, Andre Novak ends up hitting that call button. Yeah, I mean, I understand, and maybe he's right too. He yep. might be right to call here. I'm. I want to know what the solver wants to do. I don't know what to do. I think once we call the three bet, maybe this is one of the hands we do have to call with because we don't have any clubs. I guess. It's hard to know. I mean, if we don't, if we have clubs though, maybe we maybe we fold the turn, right? Because we're blocking clubs. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, if I got this far, I'd probably call. But yeah. I don't know if I ever get this far. I, I never play the hand like this. I would never play the hand like this. But you know, it, like you said, it'll be fascinating to see what the solver has to say. So yeah. let's do that. Okay. Is it possible that we're going to get an output that's like, oh yeah, now I understand this hand? No. Sure. No. No, I don't. Oh, I was going to say. I, what would, it, what would have Why to not? happen? The solver would have to, to infest your brain with its own algorithmic activity. Okay, Keanu. Why, not, why can't it just... Keanu. <laughs> why can't it just be... Oh, I get it now. Why can't it just be a nice, calming influence? Unfortunately, that's not the way the solver works. It just gives you outputs. It doesn't tell you why. Um, it implies. Things. Yeah. Danny Sprung did this work. Yeah. He will post his work on Discord if you want to hear more about it. We will create a thread for this hand. Mm-hmm. Back to the flop. Uh, Jonathan said he would probably check about half his sets. Now, I don't know if the solver is going to check half the sets, but it's checking eights half the time. Yeah. Even split. Good job, solver. I like how you did that. I like, I like the cut of it's your It's not jib. surprising. You know, it's not surprising that the solver would be that yeah. way. I would think the general population plays very differently, obviously. Of course. But, of course. but Christoph Vogel saying, going to play. Trying pretty, to play solver perfect. Pretty close to a solver. You put a mirror up to the solver, you might see Christoph Vogel saying his eyes sometimes. So is it possible to do half a bet? Then, because that would have been solver perfect. Half a bet? Yeah, instead of betting or checking. It's Schrodinger's of, bet? Yeah, it's half a bet. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah. I think that should be allowed. Yeah. More surprisingly, yes. it's, it's an even split on ace-10 as well, checking versus betting. Color me shocked. It's been done. You've been colored shocked. Yeah, well, good, because I am. And okay. I was even before you actually, you know, whatever, whatever the thing we're talking about is. I can't believe it. Yeah. I really can't believe the solver wants that. I'm... Really amazed. I think, you know, one possible answer to why is Andre Novak doing this on the flop is because he's a solver guy yeah. and he knows that, you know? Yeah, you know what? Maybe that's true. Yeah. Maybe that's true. I think we're going to find as we go through this, these are two guys really trying to adhere to a lot of the solver stuff. Yep. On the turn, although we may say these things that you just said, the solver hates the Vogel saying bet small. It's not true. But it does prefer a bigger size. Prefers yeah, to go so about a three-quarter pot. We really like the bigger size, too. Yeah. Three-quarter pot is like normal turn sizing. It is odd that Vogel saying did what he did, although we thought maybe it was to induce something. He, yep. I mean, he did induce. If he, he bets three-quarters pot, he probably just gets called. Right. Instead of like 
part of the raise that we may not have touched on on the podcast is that maybe that helps knock out some equity from the big blind, and that's less necessary if Fogel's saying bet's bigger. That's right. That's right. Uh, the solver does raise ace-10 34% of the time facing this sizing. I mean, there you go. We were like, I would just go, man. But the solver's like, nah. Like, if, you know, you get a pretty good baseball hitter up there, if he gets a base hit, I'm, I'm raising. I guess so. That's what we did. Yeah. And uh, at 100% of the time, three bets with eights. Makes sense. And 100% of the time, calls with ace-10. That is the interesting part. 100%. Yeah. It's like, if we decided to raise this hand in, based on this action, we are going with it, bro. Yep. Which is just interesting. I guess because it's got some re-raises, which is maybe some of its other sets. And like pocket fives, as you mentioned uh, earlier, is like maybe an all-in even, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, what hands are we calling with? There aren't that many that we choose to raise here that we can call with, but this is probably one of them. Yeah. I mean, we obviously can call with these other hands like pocket fives, but we're going to do a lot of four-bet all-in, especially on this wet of board mm-hmm. with this kind of action. Yeah. Well, here we are. Now we get to the river. Yeah. 100% of the time, according to the solver. Okay. It only bets 70% of the time with Kristoff's hand, yeah. which is interesting. And when it does bet, it prefers jamming versus this cheeky bet that yeah. we discussed at length. I did the think it was pretty cheeky. I'm surprised that the solver would prefer jamming and Kristoff then wouldn't jam. You think Kristoff yeah. would just be like, well, obviously I jam because the solver jams. The betting 70% of the time, not as big a surprise in that the solver is going to be balanced here, right? Yeah. It's going to have some checks that are strong checks. It can't always just shove its strong hands and, you know, it's too easy to play against, right? So... 70% of the time is sort of a game theory optimal number anyway, where if you want to do something strong 70% of the time, you got to do something weak 30% of the time. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Um, so that's not surprising at all. We'd want to bet 70% of the time here. Well, we were in the 70%. He does bet. Yep. And uh, the solver wants to call ace-10 almost 100% of the time. But Dan- as Danny said, it's not a high-value call based on ICM. So it's not like winning a lot of chips if you include ICM, but it is a call. We can understand what the solver's thinking, at least, yeah. right? We're not blocking any of the bluffs. Right. Um, we decided to raise this on the turn. By deciding to raise it, we're sort of walking a particular path, and we're, we're committed to the path. Mm-hmm. The solver shouldn't care about the path. The solver shouldn't even really be thinking about the other steps on the path. But Why is the solver thinking so much about the path this time? I don't know, man. The solver really... solver's like leaving some breadcrumbs it's so like, he can get back to grandma's narrative. house. I need narrative. Show me character backgrounds. Yeah, I mean, it feels like that, but obviously that can't be what's going on. But I guess Ace-10 without the clubs is just high enough in the distribution because we can eliminate so many other car, so many other hand combos that made it here this yeah. way, which probably isn't that many anyway. Yeah. What a weird hand. So interesting and different. What a, what a wonderful podcast. We Fun just times. Did. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.